we'll start with uh, Phil Perry, followed by Mike Reese. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Oh, good, Phil. I, I just am. Uh, I'm curious when you when you watch Mahomes, and obviously you watch him closely for multiple years now. But what is it about him, or or maybe even about the scheme, that makes it difficult to bring extra rushers against them? Yeah, I mean they're pretty good at everything. They they've got you know a great quarterback and pretty experienced offensive line, um, great play caller. You know, and good skill players. Uh, skill players are you know hard to tackle. They're good good uh, guys with the ball in their hands. Um, they can also get down the field and. You know, a good route runner. So, you know, it just just creates some, um, you know, matchups. I mean, force the ball out quicker. You don't have to cover as long, but don't have much help. So, just a trade off there, like it always is. Thank you. Yep, sure. So, Mike Reese followed by Terrace Sullivan. Hey, Bill. Um, a little bit of a bigger picture question. The Titans had some positive tests come back, and I'm just curious how much you've sort of looked at that, and, and does it reinforce, how much does it reinforce the importance of staying disciplined, you know, with everything that's going on with how you guys are trying to move forward in light of everything you're dealing with, and how do you feel you guys are doing in that area? Yeah, well, we, we monitor everything every day. Um, we don't just do it when there's a problem or, you know, something comes up somewhere else. We, we do it on a daily basis and, um, you know, make everyone, uh, because this is everybody, it's not just players, it's players and coaches and staff and everybody else, uh, make everyone aware of what, um, if we're not doing something, um, or if we can do something better, then we talk to them about how we can do it better. So we, we try to monitor it the best we can and we, um, I think are pretty vigilant um, with uh, really all of us. It's not any one person, but just all of us keeping an eye on things that if anybody sees something that's um, not the way we've talked about it or maybe something that's a little off or that we need to take a better look at, uh, then we, we do that. And so we've had that situation come up uh, multiple times as things have changed as we went through the different phases of training camp. Uh, as we got into the regular season schedule, uh, then we traveled. And so, uh, you know, there have been a variety of um, changes in our scheduling or in our the way we're located or where or how we're doing things uh, that have, uh, you know, necessitated a, some type of modification or adjustment. And so we, we continue to monitor that and do that. Um, but, yeah, it's a very... Obviously, uh, you know, a good reminder um, for all of us of the situation that we're in. And, you know, regardless of what we have or haven't done up to this point, it really is about what we do each day going forward, making the right decisions and controlling what we can control. Um, so we'll try to continue to do that. Uh, currently, the only other question I have is Tara Sullivan. Go ahead, Tara. Thanks. Good morning, Bill. Um, <clears throat> I just, I guess, I wanted to ask you uh, what you see from your vantage point in the relationship between Andy and Patrick. And I'm sure you've been asked about this, but obviously, your point of view, having been with one quarterback, won so much with one quarterback, having that very long time <laughs> together. Um, 
what is the benefit of sort of them being a partnership and taking that partnership, you know, if all goes well, many years into the future of it getting better? And, I, and I'm wondering if you've ever noticed those comparisons that, that people in the media at large have made of, you know, Andy and, and Patrick as like sort of the next version or comparing it to that version of what you and Tom did. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I appreciate the question. Really, none of that's too relevant to me right now. So um, uh, you'd have to ask uh, Pat and Andy about their relationship. I really don't, you know, know exactly how that works. Um, so I, I won't be able to comment on that. Um, I mean, they're both great at what they do. Uh, Andy's, you know, had tremendous success in the league as as both the head coach of the Eagles and you know, each year at Kansas City, I mean, all the all the winning they've done out there, um, you know, from when he took the program over is, you know, very, very impressive. So, you know, how the dynamics work between each coach and their quarterback and so forth, um, you know, I'm sure they're all a little bit different. I really wouldn't have any way to make really any kind of intelligent comment on what they do or don't do or how it works out there. I just... I really have no knowledge. All I know is what I, what we see and what we have to, what we have to play against, and so that's where we'll kind of keep our focus. Next question, Phil Perry, followed by Evan Lazar. They built defensively for them. Uh, Chris Jones seems to be a pretty important piece to what they do. Uh, um, I'm wondering how you see him and Clark work together, the interior guy and the edge guy, and, and maybe how they they help each other uh, when it comes to just being disruptive up front there. Well, they're both very disruptive players, and um, you know it's hard to count exactly, it's hard to 100% count on where they're going to be. Um, so they, you know, uh, Spags moved them around uh, some last year, well, Jones in particular, and um, you know we'll just have to see how they do that. I mean, it was situational. Sometimes you can, you know, have an idea where he's going to be based, but they change their front. So, you know, depending on whether it's an over or an under or whatever the front happens to be, uh, that that could affect the location too of of the players. Um, you know, not just those two, but other ones as well. So, you know, the bottom line is we have to be ready for a, a multiple. Uh, looks on defense uh, as well as offense. That's what they do, and um, you know I'm sure they'll try to create positive matchups for their for uh, Kansas City uh, on defense, just like they do on offense. And they have some very disrupted players. Uh, Jones is you know right at the top of that list, and you know Matthews is a you know ball hawking, very instinctive player in the secondary, and you know they're very they're pretty experienced defense. Um, you know. Couple of younger guys playing on the corner due to injuries, but you know, once they get everybody back, I mean, we'll see, you know, how much that that is, and you know, we'll see what Ward's situation is. But you know, it's a pretty experienced defense. Sorensen's had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of experience in, in the safety and kind of at the linebacker position on their dime defense with Matthew and so forth. So it's a pretty pretty solid group. Linebackers are are good. They they're fast. They run well, and they're um, they're very instinctive guys, too. Thanks, Bill. Yep, you're welcome. Next question. Evan Lazar, followed by Mark Daniels. 
Hey, Coach, I just wanted to ask you about how the Chiefs' offense uses motion and uh, the running back also vertically in the passing game and, and just how that kind of stresses you guys defensively. Yeah, the Chiefs motion on about 50% of their plays, um, you know, give or take, which is about, um, you know, probably in the norm for the West Coast offenses. It's probably about, about where we were last week with uh, the Raiders as well. Um, you know, some of that's back motion, um, more of it's wide receiver motion. There's also some tight end movement in there as well. So, um, you know, all things that we've, we've seen before, but you know, they do cause an adjustment defensively and some type of communication. So, um, you know, we, we know we're going to see it. We know we have to be ready for it, you know, multiple formations and shifts and motions and formation indicators, things like that. They do a good job of that. Um, so, you know, it's probably an important part of setting the table for, for the play that they actually run, um, is what happens before either there's a deception or to try to gain some kind of advantage by, by putting a guy in motion to try to, you know, out leverage or, um, you know, put a guy in a difficult position for the defense to handle. Uh, next question, Mark Daniels, followed by Ben Volant. Hey, Bill. Um, this week, players are eligible to return off the IR who started season on the IR. I know you have four players in that category. And I'm just wondering, do you anticipate um, getting any of those players back this week? Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, the first step would be to, you know, practice a player that's on injured reserve. And then, um, and then whether he would be active or not would depend on, uh, you know, what happened during the course of the week. And Sometimes uh, those guys, you know, they're not ready to play as soon as they start practicing. They need another week or two. Um, so we'll just, you know, if, if we do that, it would just be based on um, that that player's individual situation and, and, you know, we can evaluate how we can evaluate that, you know, the guy uh, during the, the time that we have to look at him, whether that's a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. So that's, you know. First step would be to, to start into practice, and that starts the clock running on the activation process, and then and then it becomes a you know an evaluation um, process as we just take it day by day. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, next question, Ben Volan, followed by Eden Kern. Uh, good morning, Bill. Hey, Ben. Uh, with as explosive uh, as the Chiefs offense uh, can be. Uh, is ball control and just kind of playing keep away, is that uh, important uh, for you guys this week? Um, well, so it's not as important as scoring points. So, I mean, ultimately, this, the game is going to be decided by, you know, which team has the most points, um, not who has more first downs or who has more time possession or, you know, whatever other stats you want. So, you know, all that plays into it. Um, but... You know, scoring is really the name of the game. So, you know, our goal is to to move the ball and score points offensively, same as it is every week. If that's a long drive or a short drive or, you know, whatever it is, then that's, you know, that's really what we need to do. Defensively, we have to play defense. So we're going to be out there on defense. Um, well, that's, you know, after a short drive or a long drive or what the field position is, you really can't control that. You know, defensively, wherever they get the ball, they get it. And it's our job to go out there and stop them. So that's, that's what we're going to prepare to do.
two final questions. We're going to go Aiden Kern and Andrew Kelling. Morning, Bill. Uh, Good. I want to ask you about Andy Reid. Um, you know, he's he's long been one of the bright offensive minds in the NFL, but as as NFL offenses have begun to trend more towards you know downfield passing attacks and. No one's symbol. No one's represented that more than the Chiefs. How have you seen his his offensive system evolve over the years, and what's been different about it? You know, if anything. Yeah. Well, Andy's definitely evolved evolved the system. Um, I don't. I don't know that the the passing game has changed. You know that dramatically. Um, but they have very fast players and. You know they they have a very good quarterback, so you know those downfield opportunities uh, for them are probably more enticing than they are maybe for some other teams. Um, in addition to that, the quarterback uh, you know can extend plays, uh, and so some of those plays show up on plays like that, like what happened in, in the AFC Championship game to us. Um, so it's not really that play. It's even designed to go deep, but when the quarterback extends it and and then makes you know a great throw, 30, 40, 50 yards downfield on the run, uh, that that brings the deep deep passing game into into play uh, when even probably when it wasn't intended to be. But you know they're they're very good at those extended plays. Again, the receivers are good at making adjustments and and they're fast and they can stretch the field vertically. So um, yeah, they're all. They're all problems. Every play is not a you know a fifty yard post or a fifty yard go route, but uh, when they hit you on those, then they they can really do a lot of damage, like they did in um, uh, what year was it seven uh, seventeen? You know they hit us on the two long two long passes, um, and it's just you know if they chew it all up in one play, then that you know just don't have any chance to stop them in the right area. And, and the points will, you know, add up pretty quickly. Great, thanks. You're welcome. And the last question is Andrew Callahan. Hey, Bill. Uh, two quick ones for me uh, on that note about the offense. Is their skill position to talent the fastest group you've ever coached against? Uh, it would be up there. Yeah, it would be up there. I mean, I'll right, uh, say when Mal, sorry, you know, well, I mean, those run and shoot teams, they had four receivers on the field. Um, you know, Mouse Davis and, you know, that, that style of offense, um, you know, that Houston ran. I mean, I would say just thought we played against them at other with other teams as well. But, you know, June did it at Atlanta and then Mouse did it in Detroit. And, and when you put four receivers out there and a and a fast back like a you know Barry Sanders or somebody like that, and you put four receivers out there, um, you know that run probably you know four four sub four four. I mean that's a lot of speed. Now these guys have a lot of speed too, um, but you're talking about just speed. That's those run and shoot teams. They they put some pretty fast players on the field now. You know a lot of them, not just one or two. I mean it's really either four or five, depending on how fast the back was. Um, totally different note. How rare in your experience is it seeing a rookie like Michael Wenu just be able to bounce between two positions, the right tackle, left guard, that he didn't necessarily play a whole lot in college now in his first year in the NFL? <clears throat> 
Uh, right. Yeah. No. He's. You know. Mike's done a good job. Um, you know, he's a smart kid. He learns quickly, and and um, you know, he played right guard at Michigan, and you know, really hasn't. He's played that some, but you know, as you mentioned, he's played the other two more. So, you know, his ability to adapt and um, you know, adjust his footwork based on whether he's playing tackle or playing on the left side of the line, all that's been been pretty impressive. Um, but you know we've had a lot of guys that have played well at a new position. Uh, you know Tooney at guard, Mankins at guard. Um, so you know even even Solder, his rookie year, you know really played right tackle and played some tight end. So um, you know it's it just depends really on what what we need and who the best what the best combination of players are. Um, to to get to that, uh, but but Mike's done a Mike's done a good job. Um, day after day, he's just impressive. His consistency is impressive. Um, you know, he's a very strong player with good feet and good balance, and and likes football, and you know, and, and understands football. Things come pretty easily to him in terms of instinctively on the field. Obviously, our system is. You know, not the easiest system to learn at any position, but, you know, just instinctively when he has to make a decision, he has to decide, you know, how quickly to combo to level two, how, what angle to take to block down on the guy and so forth. He, he just does a lot of little things well and does them right. So, um, yeah, he's, he's done a good job for us. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Thanks everyone. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you.